we got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. Once is lucky, twice is a coincidence, three times is a streak, 15 beats to two again, and mental is to the physical as four is to one. This is an emergency Thursday night NCAA tournament edition of the College Game Day podcast. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. So all of the numbers. First, the 15 over two is Princeton over Arizona. Uh, the mental is to the physical is four is to one. Pete is an old Bob Knight saying about mental toughness and making smart plays. The proverbial dumb loses more than smart wins. That refers to Furman and Virginia, which we will get to. We, ha- we have to start. It's happened for the third straight year. A yeah. 15 seed beats a two. There was re- You can't look at the box score and figure out how Princeton beat Arizona. They just did. They just made plays at the end. And with 10 minutes to go, you know, monitoring that game all day, and I wasn't watching it closely because it was just sort of the kind of game you expect between a 15 and a 2. It was a nine-point game. It was a seven-point game. There was, like, no imminent threat until there was, and by then you blinked and it was uh, – you you blinked and it was over. Um you know, a remarkable job by Princeton of hanging around and hanging around for Arizona. It was just a case of squandered opportunity to put Princeton away. And then there, there is an eternal pucker power that will forever be associated with this tournament. And you saw it. Uh, you saw it from Arizona those last couple of possessions. Well, that's, um, you know, that's what my son, happy Princeton alum. I don't know that he was watching that closely, though some of his uh, Princeton baseball teammates actually went to the game and one of them actually won some serious money on it by uh, by going Tigers on the money line Ooh. against Arizona. Ooh, what um, was that payout, do you know? I, I do not know what the payout okay. was, but I would imagine it was substantial. Yeah. But it was, it was simply game pressure, Pete. If you go mm-hmm. back, I went back and watched again the last four minutes of the game. There were a couple of things. <clears throat> I think it was Myron Metcalf who in a reaction article said that Arizona played with arrogance and he didn't mean the good kind. And, and they did. And then they start, it got to a point in that final four minutes where you could almost feel Arizona going, Oh my gosh, these guys might beat us. Mm-hmm. And you could feel Princeton going, I think we can beat them. And you know, that that is the whole thing of putting game pressure on in a one-shot deal in the tournament. Man, Mitch Henderson, who was a member of that Princeton team that beat UCLA in 96 and has been the basketball coach there for a long time, um, you know, it, it's different in the Ivy League. Uh, still, Mitch, Mitch is a terrific coach. Is the only coach I've ever done a game with where he didn't show up at the shoot-around. But that was because of the class schedules. They couldn't have your traditional shoot around. So they had two windows in which the guys came in and got up some shots if they wanted to. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't a whole Bayheim thing. We're not shooting on game day. It was like they all had to go to class. So, you know, this is a, a different deal. And for him to to put together a team like this um, that, you know, really came close to going to the tournament last year and then made those plays and got the, you know, and got the, um, 
confidence down the stretch to to win the game was pretty remarkable. Yeah, and uh, Mitch Henderson, who I've gotten to know pretty well over the years, just covering college basketball, was the starting point guard on that 1996 team that upset UCLA, one of the more famous upsets in, in tournament history, even though it was not like a 215 or a 116. But UCLA was the defending champ from 95. UCLA uh, losing to Princeton in the Hoosier Dome resonates. Uh, I texted with uh, Sean Gregory tonight, who was also on that team, who I used to work with when I was at Sports Illustrated. And he was at Time. We were kind of at sister publications. And Sean Gregory is a you know Princeton grad and a Princeton honk, and is you know having he texted me a picture of the cold beer he was drinking tonight. But he told me that <laughs> Mitch Henderson didn't start at point guard that year until the play-in playoff game where they had to beat Penn, which I'd forgotten that you know whatever twenty-five years ago you're not going to remember, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he only started three games that season, the playoff, and then they lost to Mississippi State, and he started that. Uh, he started that play-in game, and it was obviously, I believe, Gabe Llewellyn. Is that right, Reese? Yeah, um, yeah, you Gabe probably Llewellyn. Read that on a rap somewhere in uh, Flint, Michigan, right? Uh, no, man. By then, I was at ESPN. Oh, you were at ESPN. Okay. Yeah. All right. That. All right. I got your I uh, got your career uh, your career <laughs> clock wrong. I was a I was a sophomore at Syracuse. So um, yeah, rub, rub that in. Why yeah. don't you go ahead? Yeah, I get <laughs> maybe it. a freshman actually. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I think they, they actually I was because they made the Final Four that year with uh, John Wallace and uh, and Cuses in the house. But yes, your your box score point is excellent. I mean what's the key to an upset hitting three-point shot well Princeton was four of 25 from three-point range I mean that's preposterous absolutely Mm -hmm. preposterous they turned the ball over 11 times which isn't like a ton but it wasn't like they played some perfect game they had less assists than turnovers which is quite frankly very Mm unprincetton-like they had nine assists to that so yeah they just kind of stripped the game down brought it what's the old saying in football uh they brought the game out to deep water and mm-hmm. at the end arizona couldn't win yeah uh tosin awoma was uh terrific inside mm-hmm. son of a doctor coming over from england and, and having one of the great moments there and an embarrassing one too for arizona because arizona should have won this game there's no excuse I need to have the box score right in front of me but i think they got out re- about it. I know I know Princeton had more blocked shots than they did. And you know, uh, Myron's Myron's terminology of calling it arrogance is is probably right. But you also don't want to take away from Princeton and also the magnitude of this tournament. Every year, guys' careers are made and broken from a coaching mm-hmm. standpoint. Players are etched in lore forever, or their agonizing faces will be part of um, you know, part of highlight reels forever because of the one-shot deal nature of it. And, you know, typically the one thing the last couple of years, it's been a little bit different, is this game was played at at Princeton's pace. And typically when you have these mammoth upsets, it's because teams slow the other one down. That's exactly what happened in this game. Arizona, uh, Princeton doesn't play terribly slowly but Arizona tries to play fast and they're in the 50s I mean come on you know you need to need to have more offense than that and get up and down the floor a little better than they did Um, but the last the previous two St. Peter's and beating Kentucky and Oral Roberts (laughs) taking down Ohio State on the way they they scored Mm -hmm. and you know so typically it's the slowdown teams that you know muck the game up but really 
as it pertains to these two big first round upsets, the slowdown team sort of messed it up for themselves in, in Virginia because Furman wants to play a little bit faster. And I know you're a big Furman fan, but you know, Virginia kept them, uh, kept them in the game really with pace. And then with just the, the catastrophic error uh, at the end, Kihei Clark. I mean, if you had said before, before this tournament started to me, Pete, if you'd said, like you like to quiz me from time to time, give me give me a guy who's going to make a catastrophic mistake and lead to a huge upset in the first round. This is maybe slightly hyperbolic, but Kihei Clark might have been the last guy on my list. He he would have been way down there, I can tell you that, because it was it was very uh uh, uncharacteristic of him to do that at any timeout, and you're better off, to, you know, five second count, foul, anything. If you put together like an all, like an all solid, no mistake team, like and did a starting five, and you put Kihei Clark on there as the point guard, I wouldn't blink. I, I couldn't help Reese but be struck by he made one of the greatest passes in the history of the NCAA tournament to beat Purdue in that. Epic, unbelievable back and forth uh, Elite Eight game in uh, when they won the title. So that was what twenty nineteen, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Kike Clark, it was like a you know late in the clock, no panic, zipped it down, and it led to the winning shot. And it was one of the rare cases where the pass got more attention to the shot. And it, you, not only the pass, but the wherewithal, time, score, like getting it to the right place, getting it to a shooter who could make it. Like everything about it was like this, per, you know, this like perfect lightning strike of cerebral basketball play. And I mean, he just threw a discus from the baseline uh, with a timeout left, with with a guy yeah. opposite court wide open. Like it just didn't make any Is sense. Just, he's 80% free throw shooter too. Just hold the ball. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes. And, you know, that's, I mean, live ball turnover was like the last thing you needed there. They also, uh, you know, they also faced the 1 3 1 and, and treated it like they got stuck in the middle of a corn maze and couldn't figure their way out or something, which was uh, surprising to see from them. They did a lot of uncharacteristic things. Our, uh, our buddy Cavman, as I refer to our college game day basketball producer, Pete, because he's in football, you might know him better uh, as Jeff Brown, but I Jeff refer Brown. to, I refer to uh, him on the air as Cavman because Cavman, he loves all things Virginia, but he particularly loves Virginia basketball. Hmm. So he, how's he doing? Not well, not hmm. well. He, uh, he texted our group and said, "Find someone else to produce. I'm done with college <laughs> basketball." So it so so that's one, not good, huh? That's not a no, good that's thing. not good. So at one point, I said to him, I, I texted back to the group. I said, "Hey, just remember Kihei and Purdue. Most people don't get that moment, and just forget the last you know six seven seconds ever happened." And Billis, of course, responds, "Well, nothing in the rule book says he can't have both." And I said, I'm trying to say some encouraging words to our friend who's in agony and distress, Billis. You're not helping. You know, so anyway. I wonder if in like the, the the pain rankings of a Virginia fan, if where this ranks compared to oh, UMBC. Uh, UMBC is worse, yes. um, I think. I'm not a Virginia fan, but don't you think? Because that mm-hmm. one will live in infamy. They had some injuries in that game, if if memory yeah, serves, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Well, and then they didn't have Vanderplas, our our faithful listeners, who yeah. got a lot of bad picks from me. 
um, it was at least we're, we're at least gifted to to that that little nugget um, about uh, about Vanderplas uh, not playing and just really gumming up an offense that already could be pretty gummy. Um, well, that's, that's the thing, and there are too many of these games, and I don't want to go off on a tangent about what's wrong with college basketball, right? Because I I love the sport, and everybody loves the tournament, and it gives you great, uh, you know, it gives you great pleasure. Today was but fun, I, man. It was fun. fun. It was fun. There's no doubt about it. But if you look at the style of play, and I texted this to you, if if Princeton and Arizona played a 59-55 game in January, nobody's watching that, Correct. right? And and there were for a while now. I think uh, let's say I think Arkansas and uh, Missouri maybe got to 70 later. But early in the day, nobody but Alabama and Kansas got to 70, and they were playing 16 seeds. And you know. We've got this game, basketball, I mean, generally, the NBA, this is where the NBA has figured it out. Basketball is an offensive game at its core with a defensive component, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, They've got to find a way to let these guys play offense. They have to. And it's not just shortening the shot clock. It's some of the physical contact. It's consistent officiating. It's some adjustments in the block charge rules. There, there are a number of things we could go to. They have to, Pete, because the drama is tremendous. But how great mm-hmm. would the drama be if the actual basketball were a little more aesthetically pleasing? You know what a good game yeah. was? You know what a good game was on Thursday? A really fun Auburn and Iowa was a really fun game. It was a fun game. No, good pace. Yep, that was played. That was played really well. So let's dovetail that uh, observation, Reese, with I did want to try to stump you with trivia if you didn't look at the list. Did you look at the list of the 10 other 15-2 upsets today? Uh, did you look at the I, full I, list? I have, no, I honestly have not looked at the list. How many of them can you name, Reese? I, I don't I don't know. Let's just start and I'll go, right? Okay, go. and we'll see. All right, I don't know if I should work backwards or forwards. I'll start working backwards. So you've got – a. You've got Princeton over Arizona. Mm-hmm. You've got St. Peter's over Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You've got Oral Roberts over Ohio State. Uh, you've got Norfolk State over Missouri. Mm-hmm. And Missouri will now benefit from one of those now. So all things come around eventually. <laughs> um, so let's see, Norfolk State over Missouri. You've got uh, Santa Clara over Arizona because they're the only ones with two. Mm-hmm. You've got uh hampton over iowa state mm-hmm. you've got um okay oh you've got uh you've got richmond over syracuse right yes uh yes. Th- that's seven you jim Beheim's got... worst loss yeah yeah let me okay oh you've got a coppin state over south carolina mm-hmm. that's sure, eight. eight you've got three left i've got three left wow yeah. um and i'll say this uh they are pretty famous. Okay, pretty famous. So I've left out some famous ones. Yes. Um, one of them uh, One of them has a nickname that still resonates about a decade later for a plucky little uh, burgeoning school in South Florida. Oh, uh, Dunk City. Yeah, uh, they beat uh, they 15 over to Georgetown. They um, did. Uh, let's see. Florida Gulf one, Coast over Georgetown. One involves the plucky mid-major that you've latched onto to make the Final Four. To make the Final Four? I don't have a mid-major in the Final Four. Think of sarcasm. Know who you're dealing with. Oh, Remember? oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Know my audience. Plucky. Oh, uh, oh, uh, 
Right. I'm trying to think of which one it was. Was Lehigh the 15 when they yes. beat Duke? Okay, it was, that. Le- it was not Mercer. It was Lehigh. Yeah, yeah. Le- that was the 314 Mercer and Duke, and those happened in pretty close proximity together. Yes. So now um, – so the the last one. Do you want one more hint, or do you want to think about it? Yeah, I'm disappointed that I need this many hints, especially yeah. with uh, with Dunk City and with uh, with Lehigh. Yeah, this one is 2016. So there's 11 Ooh. if you include that. Okay. 2016, 2016, and I believe they made it to the Sweet 16. Um, involves a Hall of Fame coach lost, and um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, and Giddy Potts was involved. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I should have known that because Gil Bransford, my basketball uh, researcher, is a Michigan State guy, Middle Tennessee oh. over at Michigan State. You did well, Reese. Don't beat yourself up. That a good. That's a good run on your 15s over twos. Were you at any of them? Um, no. You were probably the in the biggest, studio for a lot of years. Yeah, I was in the studio yeah. for a lot of them. The only one I – the biggest upset that I've ever um, been in the arena for – in the NCAA tournament was I was in the arena when Austin P beat Illinois. So oh. I was still I was still in college. And cool. Vital, you know, I think Vital had promised to stand on his head. If I think that was the one there, or maybe that was Prince. I can't remember. He he offered something outrageous uh to do if uh if Austin P beat Illinois and they did. And the funny the the thing that people forget about that was the next round, if Austin P hadn't missed, I mean, you can't imagine how many free throws they missed in the round of 32 and lost a really close game to Billy Donovan and Providence, who then went uh, on to the final four. Final they four. Absolute, yeah. absolutely had them beaten. And wow. uh, absolutely had them beaten. And they couldn't make a free throw at the, uh, like for the last two minutes of the game to finish it. And and um, Providence pulled it out and ended up going final four. That was a yeah. yeah, Austin P over Illinois was the biggest upset that I've ever been in attendance for in the NCAA tournament. How about you? I was at Dunk City in Philadelphia. You were at Dunk City. Oh wow. I was at Dunk City in Philadelphia. And Georgetown really wasn't in that game for a dribble. It was pretty mm-hmm. impressive. But they they cut it to eight or six in the second half, if memory serves me right. And they didn't just run a lob. They like Brett Comer went down the lane and did some like side from the hip and some dude came in and just cracked it. And you could just see Georgetown's bench just like fall over like they were like little like uh, game board pieces. I mean, it was just like it was over. The arena went nuts. Um, That game was a lot of fun. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's, let's talk a little bit about what this does yeah. to the bracket overall now. That was a uh, talkative and undisciplined transition by that, me into why. Okay. No, that was fun. That was actually yeah. that was actually fun. I hope the people are trying to name it along. To Davis, you idiot! I can't believe you don't remember because most of the Duke haters certainly remember uh, Duke Lehigh for sure. Oh yeah. Um, I think. Look, Alabama, especially if Brandon Miller's groin injury is an issue. Um, they won't get away anymore without him scoring. He didn't need to score today. They got everybody else involved, some guys who've been struggling, got going. But now they get Maryland. But beyond that, in, in the bracket, I mean, San Diego State's a good defensive team who's offensively challenged. Um, you still have your Furman squad. Baylor's still sitting there. But Arizona's gone. I mean, this thing has already uh, opened up. Now it's up to Alabama to take advantage of the fact that this is really wide open with the two and the four seed out of the way. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, there are now two groin injuries that could really define the rest of the tournament, right? Cause obviously mm -hmm. Sasser re-injured his groin tonight. And for our listeners who, uh, who, who went to bed at a, a reasonable hour tonight, that was probably the biggest development from the uh, Houston Northern Kentucky game, which was a tussle for a little bit, but, but went away. Uh, Sasser was on the bench in the second half riding the exercise bike and CBS reported and the Houston Chronicle reported that he had uh, re-injured his uh, re-injured his groin in that uh, in, in that period. But yeah, when you look at uh, when you look at Alabama now and it's uh, and look like Baylor, the way they finished the season doesn't exactly scare you, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, look, Maryland played pretty salty. I was I was pretty impressed with Maryland today. They took some yeah. punches, kept coming back, kept coming back. So, um, give you them a uh, you know give them a lot of credit. I hadn't seen a lot of San Diego State, Reese. I was mm -hmm. impressed. Like now, again, some of it was Charleston being a team of D two overachievers. I thought it really got exposed today. Because they just like were overwhelmed at times. I thought by San Diego State's length and uh, athleticism, but I uh, if if Alabama doesn't come out of there, I feel like that bracket is poised to be my seven seed or higher a ribeye in Houston bracket. That's that's a great point, um, and it will be a gargantuan missed opportunity um, because having gone to school at Alabama and having followed Alabama basketball since the early seventies. Alabama basketball has been star-crossed in the tournament, sometimes of their own doing, sometimes with just bad luck. For instance, probably the best Alabama team prior to this one was the 1976 squad who led Indiana, the undefeated Indiana national champion Bob Knight team, late in the game. 
and questionable foul call didn't go their way. They lost. They've had games where they've, they've missed free throws. They've had tough draws. They've run into, you know, they run into the proverbial buzzsaw. They played Michael Jordan in the state of North Carolina. They played, you know, they've done a lot of those things. But now they they won't they don't have any of that. This is <laughs> this is completely opened up for them. And we'll see, we'll find out whether they can whether they can take advantage of it. Also in Birmingham on Saturday. Houston and Auburn, Auburn team, which probably shot the ball better. And I've seen them play a number of times this year, seen them in person. Mm-hmm. They played offense better than they played all year. Now, people, you know, hardcore basketball fans are going to go, Iowa's not a good defensive team, and they're correct. But Auburn's missed its share of open shots all season long, and they didn't. And now you've got the one seed playing what will be somewhat like a de facto road game with their star injured. Uh, that that one's got all the makings in in the Midwest too of of busting up that bracket a little bit and spoiling Houston's plans to play for the national championship at home or in their home city. Yeah, well, Houston basketball does not make it easy, right? They're a little bit of a more evolved version of Virginia, where pace and identity don't lend them to ninety five to seventy five games, right? Like they're going to blow you out by twelve. That's just sort of that's just sort of how Kelvin has always uh, mm-hmm. designed it. The old joke when he was at Oklahoma was that he always needed a new offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe the old pirate could have helped him when he was uh, when he was there. God rest his uh, mm-hmm. God God rest his soul. But I yeah I think that's fascinating, and I think there could be some really salty Samsons um, if that uh, meaning Kelvin Kellen and the whole crew. If they uh, if they do lose to uh, to, to Bruce Pearl and Auburn and an arena that like so you're always going to get rooted against if you're the one seed of in course. that weekend game. Yeah. And then you combine it with uh, now I wonder if the Alabama fans this is actually an interesting question. Would the Alabama fans root for Auburn? I, I don't think you can. Uh, under some circumstances, they might. But I think there's uh, I think there's enough vitriol there uh, now that. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that that game that game's not. I mean, ordinarily you'd root against the one seed, and maybe maybe even if it were on your side of the bracket, that's not even until the national championship game. So yeah, yeah, that, I'm not that's... I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they that I'm not sure that they'll get behind Houston to oppose Auburn. Um, so you know, and, and Auburn uh, Auburn has a way, man. They always find a way to win games in the tournament. That dates back to. You know, to Sonny Smith and Cliff Ellis, and now Bruce has, has been doing it too. That was a really, really good win and impressive performance for them. And Houston, especially if it doesn't have Sasser, will have its hands full. And that will that game is likely to be a rock fight too. That game might be very similar to that Houston Villanova game in the Elite Eight last year where it was felt like first one to 46 was going to win, you know, for a long yeah. time. So, and I don't want to declare Sasser out. Right, but he no, is right. You know, he is worth monitoring. Game time decision. There'll be updates for those who invest. To go back to our Friday pods during football season, you know, you may want to you may want to invest with the best information before you uh, before you dabble on uh, on Houston in the next round. Let Let me ask you this, Reese. We we sort of dabbled in and out of the fifteen two conversation. Give me two or three reasons why we we have had fifteens over twos three years in a row 
when I have the history of it up. Uh, I had the history of it up right here. Give me one second. What is it like 11 and 138 or nine or whatever? Did yeah. we have another 50? Yeah, we had another 215. Texas, uh, Texas wanted to walk. So now something ridiculous like 139 and 11 or something like that. Is that yeah. what it is? So we didn't have any from the go bracket expanded, none from 85 to 91. Then we have three in the 90s, one in the aughts, and then in the 2010s. All of a sudden, we had one, two, three, four in ten years, and then three years in a row. So, it, what what do you think macro this says about where the sport is and the whys? It's hard to pinpoint any of it because, I mean, exactly because. But I think it's a confluence of circumstances. One, there are fewer ultra elite teams than maybe there used to be, so the separation's a little different. I think the second thing is, is even though if you look at Princeton today in their experience chart, the Division One experience, they rank toward the bottom of Division One, hmm. but they're not a young team. Most most of their guys are older. Remember, you know, a couple of years ago they didn't even have a season, so that probably plays into that stat a little bit because they're older guys. Got it. Um, so I think that you have more old guys there, and then. There's, I think most of it is the mental, the game pressure that we talked about, the talk to players until they're blue in the face and there's no way you can make Arizona think they're going to lose to Princeton. I mean, you know, it's just hard to do. And then when it starts happening, you start getting a little tight, you start pressing guards, can't make a shot, and they didn't for Arizona. So I don't know that there's any macro reason that you can put your finger on other than the fact that I think maybe the constant turnover and roster means that their rosters, that there are fewer elite teams and, and twos are closer to what fives used to be, you know, than, than maybe they were way Great back point. in the day. And now, and, and the 14s, 15s, 16s, many times, not all the time, many times they're older. So it's, I think it's at that. And then sometimes it's pace too. I mean, that can, if you get a slow slog of a game, sometimes you really start pressing, you know, even though Georgetown, you mentioned that, that game, Georgetown, Florida Gulf coast a few years ago, that was, that was the quintessential game. So it was a uh, Maryland, I mean, not Maryland, uh, Maryland, Baltimore County and mm -hmm. Virginia. It was like, you could see the panic, you know, we might lose this and then it got worse. And, um, so I, th those are the only reasons I can think of, Pete. I don't know that there's any big trend in the way the game is being taught or coached or analytics or anything like that. I think it's more just sort of the human nature of the tournament and probably the fact that the constant turnover in roster means putting together really elite teams. Um, they're, they're more scarce, just aren't as many of them. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think those, those are, those are really good points, Reese. And, my my two sort of macro ads to that would be one, it's interesting that three very different teams pulled these upsets three years in a row, right? Like Princeton and St. Peter's, even though they're in the same state, have actually nothing in common, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no thread that ties through them. And Oral Roberts is completely different too. And, you know, you have Max Acemus. Obviously, you had Doug Edert and, you know, that the magic of Doug Edert. Uh, coming off the bench to slay Kentucky last year. And then obviously you, you have a Princeton team, but it's funny. They weren't like 
backdoor crazy or you know you know what mm-hmm. i mean like right. it wasn't like right. the stereotypical princeton that literally developed a style of offense that perpetuated through basketball for uh for for decades so i think it's telling that they're all different if that makes sense and mm-hmm. i i think that complements my macro observation which is I went on, uh, so Jonathan Gavoni, who covers the NBA draft for us, I think does an unbelievable job and is the the maestro of that field. And there are zero Arizona prospects on his 2023 draft list. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you go back 15 years ago and you look at your two seeds in the tournament, and I guarantee you they have two players who would get drafted off each team on average, right? Like, like mm-hmm. no brainer to that. I remember... In the mid-2000s, Gary Parrish at CBS Sports did a study of all the championship teams who won, and he found that a vast majority of them had at least three future NBA players. Right, yeah. So you are just you are getting really good teams, and I'm not saying Arizona's bad or anything like that, but I'm just like, there are not thumper difference makers, and it just means everybody looks a little bit more alike the 12 like when vcu plays saint mary's tomorrow if you didn't know from the dark jerseys and the white jerseys who was who was the 12 and who was the 5 i don't think you'd be able to you'd be able to tell walking off the bus right like the difference between the 12 and the 12 and 5 just isn't what it was so i think the difference between 2 and 15 because of the way talent distribution has changed um is not as vast as it used to be. Um, I bumped into an NBA scout at uh, BC a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about prospects and players, and we were chuckling basically that having the best prospects right now doesn't necess- necessarily have a linear line to having the best team. Mm-hmm. Like Arkansas has two top 15 prospects. I'm sure Bill Selfer, who's ever coaching Kansas, is going to be thrilled to, uh, to be playing the Razorbacks because they have that kind of talent. But having the high-end talent means you have high-end prospects. It doesn't mean you have high-end production. And I don't know quite when that was a paradigm shift. Maybe five years after one and done came in. But when you when you look at these guys and they're all good players, the NBA knows what they want and can draft and develop for a reason. But I think when you get past Brandon Miller, are there like even Jarris Walker Houston, who's a fine player, is their third best player. Now he's going to be, according to Gavoni, the seventh pick in the draft. So there's just that's a change. Keontae George, a wonderful player for Baylor, he's a liability on defense and has to grow in to being super productive. Um, you can say the same thing about Anthony Black, and, and you can kind of go down the list and uh, and see that these guys who are elite prospects are not finished products. Right, and that's really why the primary reason. Primary reason was Brandon Miller, but the other two, Alabama's got two other potentially lotter, potential lottery picks yep. that may not be lottery picks this year, mm-hmm. but when they if they stay or, or when they come out, and uh, and Noah Clowney and Ryland Griffin, who mm-hmm. has been up and down, he probably could really do himself a favor financially by going back to school next year. But um, you know that Clowney too, sure really, he, like he Clowney could end up in the too. first round, but like. Yeah, Clowney, Clowney another another year, and I, I won't go too far off on a tangent. Clowney in another year could easily be a, a high lottery pick. He's he's really a talented guy and a young guy. So, um, anything else before we before we go that struck you? Because we're going to do this again on Friday night. Anything yeah. else that struck you from Thursday? 
today reminded me of the uh, the old cliche about the month of March. It came in like a lion and out like a lamb. Um, the night session was pretty quiet tonight. Just been uh, just been trying to uh, you know trying to trying to manufacture a little bit of uh, a little bit of drama. And uh, Rick Barnes is trying to do it for us right now here. Um, <laughs> but it's not an eight nine game, so I think he's going to make it. Yeah. What about you, Reese? Anything else to jump out? Uh, the one thing that that's jumped out is the way Penn State played. Um, I mean, we've known all season they can really shoot it. Uh, Funk Funk had a sensational game for them. He's a tremendous shooter. Jalen Pickett's their best player, but you know, having a guy like Andrew Funk who can you know really fill it up. Another one of those uh, another one of those veteran guys who's been around college <laughs> basketball for a long time. Um, you know, had had a guy who um, played at played at Bucknell, I think, and uh, was I think if memory serves, I believe he was a Walter Ellis teammate um, back oh. in the day. Mm-hmm. So you know, and he can he can really uh, really shoot it, and he shot it. He he shot the shot the leather off of it in that game against Texas A and M. So I think the way they played, I, I didn't expect them to play that well. Wondered if A and M's um, physical defense would overwhelm them but that you know it's a 7-10 game I think it's sort of like what you've talked about it's the big upsets it's uh the two injuries to the to the star players in the one seed and what's that going what's that going to mean for this tournament a little noise on Thursday we'll see if there's any noise on Friday many times the the first day noise is followed by a whole lot of chalk so if any of you were chalk eating weasels in your brackets, you might Friday might be your day. So, so we'll see. And and Pete and I are going to be keeping a close eye on that Indiana Kent State game tomorrow. Oh yes, we are because you've got the Hoosiers. You have the Hoosiers in, a, in the Hoosiers in the final four. Yeah, with Arizona. So just really shows you about the, the accuracy of my brackets. I had Furman. <laughs> I was feeling chesty the first two hours of the day. Reese, one of my buddies who came over to watch games said he had Virginia in the final four. I was busting his chops and yeah, that, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, a, it's a humbling experiment. Did, did I send that te- to the group text? Like one in 9.5 quintillion chance to get a perfect bracket. Yeah. I saw that the, uh, with the numbers of uh, grains of sand on earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey man, this was, this was good. I look, uh, I look forward to it. May have a, uh, may have a cold beverage with me tomorrow night to uh, celebrate the good uh, the good end of the first few days we just got a little 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 seltzer water tonight here so um, i just i just have uh, the college game day oh there you are. from our friends at yeti filled with ice cold diet dr pepper this has been the college game day thursday of the ncaa tournament podcast thanks for downloading it and thanks for indulging us as we ramble toward the end we'll see you on friday night and be much more concise i doubt it